Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time to be together in your house, praising your name. Lord, I ask that you would be with us this morning and guide us nearer to your heart as we lean on your word and the teachings you have for us. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to flip along with me. You want a Philippian in your Bible. We're in chapter 4 of Philippians, starting in verse 12. It's page 1073 in my Bible. I'm sure that's not helpful to any of you out there, but it's helpful to me. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, which I set out, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And loves to say, Wait, did he take a sword to Sunday school? I'm not at all surprised. They're not talking about the sword of the Spirit, by the way. Uh, if you've ever met their boys, you would understand. Um, they're a good time. Ah, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the blessings you give us the ways that you provide and care for us. God, I ask that you would be with me this morning, give me your words to speak as we delve into your scriptures and see what they have to say about the discipline of simplicity. We ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, simplicity. Somebody's working on it. Hey, there we are. 
simplicity. I almost didn't make a PowerPoint for this morning, kind of as, you know, a point of simplicity, right? But I also would have then had to write notes. I know, I know, poor me. It wouldn't have been too bad. But I like having pictures anyway. It helps me, I'd say, stay focused, but that's an overstatement, let's be honest. Simplicity. Life is often not simple. Now, a lot of that is self-imposed, and we're going to talk about that today. Life has some simple elements to it, right? I've often heard it stated that the Christian life is a simple one, but it's not an easy one. The goal is to have our one focused on Christ, but there's all these distractions, the whole world, everything. And if you're like me and you're easily distracted, that doesn't make it any easier. Uh, Kenny stood up as an example, I'm sure. He and I are of kindred spirit in that way. Uh, being easily distracted, yeah. Now, I will be completely honest. Steve, I totally forgot it was Super Bowl Sunday. Didn't even have a clue. It was Thank you. Yeah. I, I enjoy sports, don't get me wrong. It's just one of those things where I would, well, one, I'd rather play them than sit down and watch it on television. And two, at the end of the day, there are people getting paid a gazillion dollars to go out and, you know, there's a million commercials and they're not as good as they used to be and, you know, the list goes on, right? But there's all these distractions, everything in life. And Richard Foster challenges us in this chapter to cling towards simplicity. Now, if you don't remember, we have been going through, um, we've been going through the celebration of discipline by Richard J. Foster. It's a great book on focusing on your spiritual growth. Now, I didn't write a book report. This is a sermon, not a book report. So there's only going to be a couple of quotes at the beginning, um, and we're kind of we're going to kind of stick to scripture after that, right? But I did want to bring up a couple of quotes because I think that there are some, some good little nuggets in there. The first one is in one of the first paragraphs. He says, the Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. He likes to break up these disciplines as inward versus outward, as in, you know, whether it happens more in your heart or more in the tangible world. And he says that simplicity happens in both. And I think that the one thing that really summarizes his viewpoint on simplicity is this little quote right here. It says, seeking first God's kingdom and the righteousness, both personal and social, of that kingdom is the only thing that can be central in the spiritual discipline of simplicity. That's kind of a mouthful, but what he's saying is focusing on Christ is where our simplicity comes from. He needs to be our one big thing, our one central focus. He needs to be what we're striving towards. When we fix our eyes on the prize, running our race, that prize should be Jesus. That needs to be our focus. I pulled up this picture to remind me to flip to Matthew chapter 6. I normally put the words up on the screen, but I wanted to read it this morning. It is one of my 
favorite passages, if you're allowed to have favorite ones. I think we are. Yep, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25. Actually, we're not. We're going to start earlier than that. We're going to start in verse 19. So if you want to flip along, you can. We're going to start in 6.19 in Matthew. It's actually that. The first one is that verse that uh, the guy quoted in the little video, if you're paying attention. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures, in, uh, treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to come back to that one. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm going to reread that sentence. That's a powerful sentence. Jesus says that with some authority. There's no wishy-washiness there. It says you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, so this is, this is what we do with that, right? We can't serve both God and money, so what do we do about that? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's one of my favorite passages. And it's where I think Richard Foster gets this idea, seeking first Christ's kingdom, right out of Matthew. Because Jesus himself said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's not that God doesn't know that you need some kind of clothing, right? It's not that he doesn't know that you need food to eat. But if we put first Christ's righteousness and the kingdom of heaven 
We will be given all of those things and more. Birds crack me up, man. I love birds. If we look at this little guy, he's just like round. He's just like a little like, he's a little bubble. And I think that's hilarious. I used to, well, I still have a bird feeder, but I stopped feeding the birds at my house because unfortunately, it started feeding the wrong kind of bird. If you're unaware, if you've ever driven past my house, oftentimes, unfortunately, in my mind, there are chickens on my back step. I don't own chickens. They're the neighbor's chickens, and when they found out that I have bird seed that gets blown off the bird feeder, you know, the birds are making a mess because they're being birds, then the other birds, i.e. the chickens, come over and they help themselves to the bird seed, which I put out for songbirds, not poultry. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much. They only have one rooster, though, which is, you know, helpful. Um... But yeah, I love little birds. And this passage has always resonated with me because God loves the little birds too. But it also tells us how much more important are we than those little birds. As much as I love chickadees and their little song that they sing, or the, uh, I always forget if it's juncos or juncos, but they come out in the wintertime and they're super round. And that just, again, cracks me up. They're just like little orbs. But as much as I love seeing those little birds on my bird feeder, God loves me so much more than that. And the Bible tells us we don't need to worry about the little things in life if we put first Christ's kingdom. They're having a good time. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, they are singing their own song. I don't know what kind of bird seed you put out for those. (laughs) Simplicity is not the opposite of difficulty, but of complexity. I put that up there because following Christ isn't complicated, it's difficult. There's a good chance you know the areas of your life that you need to improve and work on, the sins that you struggle with and need to set aside. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't think there's anybody on this planet that dislikes Brentley William Postelic as much as Brentley William Postelic. I could be wrong, but I don't think there is. Maybe to have some secret enemies out there. I hope not. But I know every wrong thing that I've done. When I look in the mirror and I see myself, I know the sins that I've done with my hands. I know the struggles that I've had. I know the ways that I've fallen short each and every day. I know some of the things that I need to do. And sometimes it feels like I don't have the strength to do them. That doesn't mean that it's complicated. Just stop it, right? But it's not that easy. Actually, that reminds me of a prayer request that I have. 
If you are familiar with Mr. Shane Watkins, he was just uh, readmitted into Glen Bay this last week on Thursday. Uh, if you would like his mailing address for the next few weeks, you can get a hold of myself. Um, but keep him in your prayers. Uh, he is seeking healing. And what a poignant example, right? He knows what he needs to do, and he's working on doing it, but that doesn't make it easy. It's simple, right? Just put down the bottle. Not that easy. Our lives get cluttered. This is a real picture of my counter from last night. I took this picture around, I don't know, 10 o'clock. There's all this junk on my counter. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, okay. Yeah, just threw me under the bus. So apparently it's not even an accurate picture of all the junk on my counter. There's stuff on there, right? I don't know if you guys have a place like this in your house. That's kind of my landing pad. I walk in the door, and if something is in my hands, it gets set there. I would turn that into herbs. If you're successful, you really, really do an organized, there's no room just for things you can put down. It's probably just because I don't have kids. Yeah. Actually, I had to, so I did have to clean this off this morning because one of the cats threw up on it. Yeah, I did have a little bit of a mess. Well, it might have been a hairball. I don't know. Whatever it was, it got, it got disinfected and done away with. Thank you for no picture of that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but there is a Christian therapist uh, that I've been listening to a podcast of his somewhat recently. His name is Dr. John Delaney. Or not Delaney. That's a comedian. Dr. John. Shoot. It'll come back to me. Anyway, Deloney. Similar, but different. And um, he was talking about stuff and how stuff gets in our lives and even in our heads a little bit. And so he tells us, imagine that all of your things are having a conversation with you. Every single item in your house, in your life. So my little Christmas sign is saying, wow, this guy, he's, he's a slob. He can't even get his Christmas decorations down. My record player saying, oh, man, this guy, he doesn't actually listen to that much music, and he needs to fix the belt on me anyway because I play just like two revolutions per minute slow, and so the songs aren't quite the pace that they're supposed to be, but they're really close. My books are saying, ah, oh, he doesn't read enough. My air fryer saying, when is he going to take out the bowl that's inside of me and wash me? The coin wrappers at the end of the counter are saying he doesn't have that many coins. He needs to return me to Walmart, and I don't know if he still has the receipt. There's all these different things. There's all these different things going on. And if you walked into your house and you imagined that all of your stuff was having these sorts of conversations with you, and sometimes it feels like that, it feels cluttered. You can feel overwhelmed. I know that when I leave for vacation, I will spend days cleaning my house. Sometimes I'll even shampoo my carpets before I leave for vacation because I love to come home to a clean house. But on a standard Sunday afternoon when I'm coming home to kick my feet up and get out of my fancy clothes and take a little siesta on the couch, 
that's not what my house looks like. It looks like this. And it's not peaceful. It's not restful. Now, I'll be honest, I don't need, I don't need all that junk at the end of my counter. Now, some of that is things that I enjoy and that I like and that adds some value to my life. My air fryer makes it really easy to cook dumplings nice and crispy. Mmm, yum. It's one of my favorite things to do with that bad boy right there. The record player. If I get the belt fixed, I like music. Those books did add some value. Some of, uh, some of those books helped me plan my vacation with my sisters. Um, yeah, and there's other stuff too. Oh, uh, the, one, the one binder helped me plan my curriculum. I got chapstick up there. All kinds of helpful things. They're not bad things, but they're distractions. None of them are urgent. If my house burned down, I would not run to save my air fryer. None of those things are that urgent or important, and yet I have them all. We live in this land of excess. I bet you all probably have a whole bunch of free t-shirts that you almost never wear that are in a drawer smashed in someplace that you haven't quite got rid of them yet and you don't really know why. No? <laughs> I got the truth from Veronica, don't worry. Because we get free t-shirts from all kinds of random stuff. You can get it at your bank for crying out loud. And we don't need that stuff. And let's be honest, I probably wear the same 12 shirts on a regular basis anyway, and the rest of my closet's just kind of useless. Or for VBS. We got all this stuff. So I want to ask you to kind of sit and think for a moment, what are your kitchen counters or closets in life? Now, maybe you are like Rachel Stedman or Clara Bartlett, and your house is always immaculate. I don't know how they do it. I probably don't want to know how they do it. Or my grandmother. Oh, my gosh, my grand. I don't think she knows what dust is. I really don't. I've never seen dust on, like, a lampshade in her house. It's always, like, it's staged for homes and gardens to just come on in and do a photo shoot. I don't, I don't understand. I can't relate. Yeah, it is. It's scary clean. So when I, was, when I was little, whenever I would go over there, we would always sit at the other dining table, because they had two dining tables at that time. And the dining table that we would sit at was the ones that had um, chairs that were upholstered with cloth, but they had a little plastic whoosh, whoosh, over the seat. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was only for the kids' seats. I thought it was all of them. Yeah. I sat on the ones that had the little, like, plastic thing, and there was a plastic cover over the cloth tablecloth. And that was just always how our house was, always. Still is, just a different house now that they've moved. So maybe you're like one of those people, and you don't have that clutter. Or maybe you somehow jam it all in some secret closet that nobody knows about, or you have a warehouse off-site. I don't know what those people do. But maybe you're organized, but I'm sure you still have stuff, right? I'm sure you still have stuff that you don't need. Now, that doesn't mean that those things are bad, and I'm not saying you need to get rid of all your stuff, but I want you to think critically about the stuff that you have in life. I saw this quote, and I think, I think that the guy in the video actually quoted this guy, but it says, simplicity is an exact medium between too little and too much. 
Richard J. Foster, when he's talking about simplicity, he talks about how it's different from, I always forget if it's asceticism or asceticism, but it's where you are almost mean to yourself. You know, you just have like two pairs of clothes, that way you can wash one and wear the other. Um, and you just eat, you know, the bare necessities so that you're not starving. Well, no, so there's a difference. So a minimalist is someone who gets rid of most of the stuff. But an ascetic is someone who is like, pretty much. Um, so there's the term ascetic monk. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Um, but they're the people who, you know, like literally sell pretty much all their possessions and they move into a monastery. There's a difference between that and getting rid of a lot of the junk that you don't need in life. And so a lot of it has to do with your priorities. When Jesus is confronted by this young man who's got a decent amount of money, he asks, what do I need to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus asks him, well, do you follow the commandments? He's like, oh yeah, I followed all those since I was a kid. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, you know, slept with anybody that I'm not supposed to. You know, I'm doing great. And Jesus is like, good, awesome. Just sell all your stuff and come follow me. And the man went away sad because he was wealthy. And Jesus comments on this guy as he's kind of walking away all sullen, and he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And yet, if we look at some of the people who follow Jesus, specifically Joseph of Arimathea, we can see that there are people who follow Jesus and do a good job of it while they have money. Because the other thing that Jesus says right after that is, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So it's not that money is evil or makes you evil or makes it that you're going to go to hell because you have money in your bank account. That's not what that's about. I think it ties in strongly with Matthew 6.19, the first verse that we read earlier about storing up your treasures. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This guy, he loved God, but God wasn't his number one thing. He wasn't ready to give up his stuff because he liked his stuff. His stuff was neat. He had good stuff. He probably had an air fryer, too. I'm glad you appreciated that, Kenny. There's all these things that we, that we have or that we want, but we don't need. Now, again, I'm not saying it's bad to want stuff, but you got to watch where your heart truly is. I, I was thinking about the word possessions this week. I know, this is, a, this, is a bit of a, this is a bit of a tangent, but I was thinking about the word possessions this week, and there are two things that come to mind. There's stuff, and then there's like demon possessions, right? 
I think oftentimes we have those two ideas, those two definitions separated very distinctly. But I think sometimes our stuff kind of has us. And I think that that's where there becomes an issue. If your possessions are possessions, you got to get rid of them. If you knew someone who was demonically possessed, you would start praying real hard, real fast, right? You might call in other people to come and pray real hard, real fast. Because that's a bad situation. But when your stuff possesses you, you might not even notice. It might just be bragging about, you know, the shiny new vehicle that you have parked in your driveway or in your garage. It might be, you know, there's any sorts of place where you can put your identity. Could be the size of your house. Could be how green your grass is because you're really passionate about lawn care. Not me. But it might be you. You can fill in the blank. I don't understand what was so funny about that, but all right. Huh? Oh, coffee. Ha, ha, ha. Well, I suppose there might be a little bit of truth in that, right? Touche. There are these things that we have that might have us. If you feel like you truly can't get rid of something, there might be a problem. And it doesn't just have to be something like drugs or alcohol or coffee. It could be your most prized possession. You guys ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? The Ferrari, right? That was that man's pride and joy. If you're not familiar with the movie, some high school kids take this rich guy's Ferrari on a joyride, and they jack it up and put it in reverse in order to get the odometer to go back because the guy tracks the mileage on his vehicle. Well, the jack gives way while the car's, you know, got a brick on the accelerator pedal in reverse, and it goes out through the garage door and totals the vehicle. It's gone. And the, the son was super worried about the dad because he knew that was his dad's prized possession. It was one of those, oh, my dad's going to kill me kind of moments. I want you to beware. If you have anything in your life that would genuinely make you want to kill one of your children, you might want to think about reprioritizing your stuff. I'm not saying you aren't allowed to like your car or that you aren't allowed to be mad at your child. Yeah, but you're not supposed to kill him. Now, that could be anything. It could be a hobby, how you spend your time, right? If, as Steve was saying, the football game this afternoon dictates your life so much that you can't spend time with your kids today, I think that's a warning sign. I'm not saying it's bad to enjoy a good game of football, but if it's to the point where you can't spend time with your kids, that's bad. 
Our possessions can sometimes possess us, thus the extras. So, do you possess your things, or do they possess you? That's my question number two for you. The last thing I want to I talk about in simplicity is that idea of where your treasure is and where your heart is. I don't want to get too involved in the topic of tithing for a couple reasons, but I am going to talk about it a little bit today. Because if God truly has given us everything that we have in life, everything that's good, we need to recognize where it comes from. And I also want to point something out. This is an analogy that Mr. Dave Ramsey, if you're familiar with him, likes to talk about. You can have a closed fist or you can have an open hand. Now, with a closed fist, here, you know what? I'll make this illustration more tangible. Who needs car keys? Not quite. I have in my hand... A $50 bill. Okay? With this $50 bill, nobody can take it from me right now, right? I've got a clenched fist. You can try and pull on it. It's going to probably rip the bill. Yeah, you tickle my armpits. I'm incredibly ticklish. Giving away my secrets. Thanks, Ken. But if you wanted to take it from me, it would rip before it would leave my hand with a closed fist. Right? But how easy is it to receive more? How easy am I going to be able to accept the blessings from God if I'm clenching to this $50? There's no room in my hand for anything else. I got a clenched fist. Now with an open hand, someone could easily take this wrinkled up, crumpled $50 bill from my hand quite easily. A sudden gust of wind and it'd be gone. But now it's also open to receive. It's open to receive as well. I think that oftentimes when we focus on tithing and giving, we don't have that cheerful giver attitude that God asks of us, right? It says that God loves a cheerful giver. People like to throw that verse around when it comes to tithing and whatnot. And he does. And it's important. But I think that really what you're missing if you're not tithing in your life is you're missing the opportunity to receive more blessings from the Lord. Now again, I'm not up here to bash people about tithing. Last I knew, giving is up. I'm not here because I want your money. I don't look at the financial statements. That's a Brenda question. Or a Kim question. That's not what this is about. If we wanted people's money, we would focus more on fundraisers when we do stuff like the chili cook-off. We've turned people and their money away from those sorts of things because that's not what we're about around here. What we are about is serving God. 
But if you've got a clenched fist, you're missing out. And one of the things that I found interesting is that at my parents' church for a while, they were really struggling financially. Actually, they're struggling financially right now, too. They're in between pastors, and their giving's down. But when they first started off, they were really struggling for a while. They were relying on the denomination to help pay their mortgage, and it was tight. And the one pastor essentially made a challenge. He said that he wanted everyone to tithe. And if there was someone who at the end of the month was looking at their finances, and because they tithed, they weren't able to pay their bills, he'd pay them back whatever they paid out that month. Now, I'm not going to make that promise because of Kim and Brenda and their sanity. But what I'll say is if the Lord doesn't bless you, come talk to me. I'm not going to say that Brenda and Kim will give you a refund, but I'll figure something out if it's from my bank account or if I end up calling the deacons and saying, hey, can we do something for them? Because this is a place where the Lord actually says, put me to the test. Now, if you know much about the Old Testament, God would yell at people when they put them to the test. That was the issue with the Israelites in the desert, why they had to wander for 40 years, because they put the Lord to the test. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I'm not saying if you tithe, all of a sudden, magically, you're going to just have money raining from the sky. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying if you don't have good personal finance stuff and you start tithing, that all of a sudden, your money's just going to magically line up. But it might. Kenny said it might, and there's a little bit of truth in that. When I was first trying to figure out how to adult, move it out of my parents' house, I was on a tight budget. There were probably three or four times where I asked Brenda for an advance on my salary because my budget was tight. I had a car payment. I had student loan payments every single month. And the way that they tax pastors, it's like you're self-employed. So you have to like set aside your income and pay your taxes quarterly. And so it was tight. With a third of my income going to the government and then another probably... 40% going to student loans and stuff, it was tight. At least it felt that way. There were a couple of times where I was like coasting into the gas station, checking my bank app, worrying, am I going to be able to fill up today? And the Lord always provided. Always. So I want to I encourage you and I want to challenge you. If the Lord says, put me to the test, I think we ought to do it. Now, again, that's going to look different for everybody. And I'm not here to bash you about the head and body with tithing. That's not what we're about. Our church will not close its doors if you don't start tithing today. But I think you'll miss out on some awesome blessings that God has in store for you. 
And I think if we're truly focused on the simplicity that God has for us, then we're going to recognize that everything we have comes from Him. That that 10% margin, that's what a tithe means, a tenth. And again, give to your convictions. I'm not here to tell you how much to tithe, when to tithe, what that looks like. That's not my prerogative today. But I did want to bring it up because it's important. And if your treasure is with God, truly, if that's where your heart is, I think our lives should reflect that. So where is your treasure, and how do you hold it? Now, for some of you who are already tithing and who are already involved, that question might not apply as much to you. And some of us, your treasure might not be in the bank. Your treasure might be in the hard work that you give. Your treasure might be in some of the ways that the Lord has gifted you. I want to encourage you. Give from your heart. Sometimes that's not going to be a banknote or a check in the tithe plate. Sometimes that might be lending a helping hand, giving a hug. But I want to encourage you to live in simplicity. Give up some of this extra stuff that we don't need in life. Focus on what's really important and recognize that everything we have in life comes from God. And most of the best stuff in life, I know that this is one of those tacky uh, phrases, but most of the best stuff in life is free. Time with a friend. You know? Time with your family. Going outside for some fresh air. There's so much in this life to be enjoyed. And God wants us to enjoy our lives. Right? If we look at Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us that a lot of our joy to be found in life comes from working hard and enjoying the fruits of our labor. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to enjoy the things that we have. It's about where your heart is. Your heart's with your stuff. That's something to work on. If your heart is with the Lord, that is when you'll truly be satisfied and be able to live in simplicity. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's going to be awfully hard to find your satisfaction in Him. You'll be like the Rolling Stones, and you won't get no satisfaction. But, you put your faith in Christ, you will be able to have that peace. You will be able to have that relationship. You will be able to seek those good things and live your life with an open hand, receiving his blessings and giving to others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you
for the ways that you provide for us. God, we have so much in this country. And even those of us who are struggling, making it paycheck to paycheck, God, we have warm clothes, There's food to eat, programs that can help us get food to eat. There's opportunity all around us. We are richly blessed. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live simple lives, whether that means giving up some of our stuff or whether that means focusing on how we spend our time where we give our attention, where our true treasures are. God, I pray that you would help us to make you our treasure. In your name I pray.